0: This is the SFF Audio Podcast.
1: Hi, I'm Jesse. Hi, I'm Jenny, Beta Plus.
2: <laughs> Hi, I'm Paul, Cast Unknown. F-minus.
0: <laughs> F-. <laughs> What's with the pluses and the minuses? Do you think that, the, that it's like isn't there isn't there a mention of an a plus plus guy somewhere in here
2: not a double plus I yeah they a, call it double plus
0: did they was there a double plus
2: I know there's some an a minus and B plus beta yeah. is made of minuses but we should probably tell this is what we're talking about oh yeah uh, we're
0: talking about brave new world uh 1932 novel by Aldous Huxley um yeah I think there is a double plus somewhere in there double plus good.
2: That that's a different dystopia I and mean, we can discuss the differences between these dystopias as we get through the conversation.
0: You know, uh it's funny cuz I know Orwell read uh Brave New World and it it does have that double plus in there, right? Um, but when Huxley describes it, if you guys heard that audio drama, um or he, or at the back of the thing, he he describes it as a negative utopia. I guess the word dystopia doesn't exist hmm. at that point. Uh, but there, I, I mean, if you think about it, it is. I like the word negative dystopia to dis- describe, or negative utopia, I guess, to describe this more than even dystopia because it's not that dystopic. I mean, if you read 1984, man, that is that's hella dystopia, right? <laughs> Uh, this is much more ambiguous. Uh, I mean, cause they, they have an argument. I don't like the argument. <laughs> they have it. I,
2: I've, I've listened to and read this book, let's see, I'm, I think I'm up to five times in my lifetime. Hmm. The first time I, the first time I read this, I thought, okay, this, I was young and callow, I thought, okay, it's not so bad. You got, you got drugs, mm-hmm. you got, Everyone's relatively sex, sex, relatively happy. And then as I started re-consuming it, then I started to see how Huxley tilts his argument right from the very get-go that, yes, this is a dystopian. I was just too stupid to see it at the time. I Hmm. mean, because consider the first couple chapters of this book is really talking about conditioning and how how the babies are basically uh, programmed – and, and looking at that, it's like, okay, now you can see how basically society is being engineered to, into into these forms. And yes, that is horrible.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, it used, to, it used to be I used to identify with other characters. But as, as I started reading this, I really started identifying with Bernard a lot more. Mm-hmm. The, the more times I consume this, I, I keep seeing more of myself in him.
0: I think we're supposed to sympathize with with him. He he seems to be you know the viewpoint character. Uh, at least he's he's around a lot, but I, I like Helmholtz more. I lo- I love the fact that he ends up on a he, he wants a really g- crappy <laughs> weathered island hmm. so that he can have the, something to write about.
1: Yeah, the falcons.
0: Yeah. What do you think, Jenny?
1: Well, I um listened a little bit to the recording you posted where Aldous Huxley narrated Mm
0: -hmm. this book
1: a few years after he'd written. It was like, I don't know, 20 years after.
0: Yeah, it was the 50s.
1: It was interesting to hear his little intro to it because he said, you know, when I wrote this book, I saw the world going to technology as its God. And I, you know, I put this book 800 years in the future, but things are moving faster than I thought. And now I think this is going to happen 200 years in the future, Mm -hmm. you know, and it was like a warning. He was, he wanted, he wants us to take it as a warning. This is what's going to happen if we keep going in the direction that we were. (laughs) I think
0: that, you know, we, we, I I know my tendency in the first time reading it is like, what's, what's all this stuff about Ford? Hmm. Like, well, why is he so obsessed with, you know, Henry Ford? This, remember we, we read and I guess that's what prompted this, this reading um, the this perfect day by Ira Levin, and that one, you know, mm-hmm. it's got uh, Christ, Marx, Wood, and Way. <laughs> uh, they gave us this perfect day, right? Um, it, that definitely owes a debt to uh, Brave New World, but it, you know, you can almost see Christ, Marx, uh, influencing the world, you know, with communism and the Christianity, and whoever Wood and Way are, right? Well, you know who Way is, but whoever Wood is. They really influenced that society. But the first time I read this, I was not, I guess, as clued into the fact that Henry Ford was was quite uh, intellectually and politically weighty, that we don't really think about Henry Ford that way. But I guess that's what Aldous Huxley is pointing at. He's saying,
2: this is huge, guys.
1: Right. It's efficiency. It's modernization. It's mostly consumerism. That was the right. big yep. one.
2: Before, it was a huge social influence on American and world culture. I I'm, I'm, I mean just taking example how he priced his Model Ts in order to mm-hmm. have as many people as possible be able to buy them. So yeah, he Yeah, not not for profit. Not for profit, right? profit.
0: Because the pro- profit's good too, but but the fact that he could sell it to everybody and 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 like one of the reasons why he wants to have high wages is not just because he wants to have, um, you know, a growing middle class, in part he wants it because he he doesn't want absenteeism. Because any holdup on the on the assembly line means losses, right? Any any place along the assembly line that doesn't, you know, isn't efficient, reduces the number of cars that can be put out. And if if you look at the society in this way, right, it's all about. That kind of efficiency,
1: right? That and is, Mustafa but, Mond, the ruler, he describes it: the world is stable now. People are happy. They get what they want, and they never want what they can't get.
2: It, it's an assembly line from birth, literally, to mm-hmm. to, uh, to becoming a baby to to death. I mean, the uh, the. The yeah, 19- people are the the product being manufactured. Right. The, the 1998 TV movie, which has that scene of that Delta in the in the factory with the assembly line, is was sort of like a visual clue into mm-hmm. what society really is. Hmm. Which I yeah, which that's, I appreciated. That's that. something not in the
0: uh, not in-, <laughs> in any of the other adaptations. What do you what do you think of that 98 adaptation? Because uh, I think that my, I might have watched that before I even read the book. It's quite different.
2: I watched it last night, actually, for the first time. I had never, I had never actually seen it before. Um, I found it interesting. They, they, they dropped Helmholtz entirely as a character. They mix,
1: they mix.
2: yeah, Helmholtz is not in there at all. Um, a- at the beginning of Brave New World, we have uh, we have Henry Foster, who's been seeing Lenina all this time, and then she moves off to Bernard Marx. In this, in the TV version basically Marx and Foster are basically merged together because Marx is not short and relatively unattractive. Well, he's he he's Peter he's Peter Gallagher so they basically taken Henry Foster and Bernard Marx and put them together in hmm. in the TV application which I thought was uh interesting because because Bernard's not anti-social he's not uh unconfident he's he he's the, he's basically both characters mixed together and nobody's
0: complaining about his alcohol and his...
2: Yeah, you no know, was complaining about alcohol and his blood surrogate.
1: So there wasn't even a reason for him to pursue any idea, so he just woke up one day and started thinking differently?
0: <laughs> you know, it's interesting because in in the there's a really huge contrast between the 1980 adaptation and the 1998 con, you know adaptation. Well, TV movies for some reason. Um and and that makes me think about like visual like I can't visualize what they actually look like as well now that I that I've seen those two because they're markedly different. In the nineteen ninety eight it is basically the (laughs) nineties. It's like the nineties. The helicopters look like the nineties. They dress like, you know, nineties hipsters. Um and uh the savage, I mean the only thing that makes him savage is he has more tattoos and such
2: than (laughs) Everybody else. Yeah, no one else had tattoos. Yeah, the reservation. The reservation in the TV movie doesn't, isn't as feral as, uh, as no, as in it, the book. It kind of reminds me. It's
0: like uh, white white trash zone.
2: Yeah, it's like white trash. So it's kind of like a white trash version of the Outlands of Zardoz. More, <laughs> than, more, more than uh
0: the minivans.
2: Yeah, well, yeah, with the minivans or 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 like um. Well, like some of the uh, more primitive outlying areas, in say, um, oh, *Children of Men*,
0: hmm. okay, yeah,
2: the movie where, where you see where you see they're using that car as a barrier to try to block people, to uh, hold up people and stuff. That's sort of that's sort it's of, not as
0: yeah, it's not super futuristic, and it's set in Los Angeles for some reason. I guess because it's a TV movie filmed in Los Angeles. Well, and
1: in the 1980 <laughs> version, it's basically the 70s with spandex.
0: I love it. I love that version. <laughs> I've, ne- I've never seen that before I started studying up for this week, but I think it's, it's pretty awesome. Um, it, and it's really faithful. Yeah. There, there's very few deviations.
2: Very few. So the, 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 I, found the very, I found the ending of the, of the uh, 1980 TV movie to be an interesting deviation in that, in that uh, uh, John finds one
1: she he thinks she's dead. Yeah, they really pushed the Shakespeare connection. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. They 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 would yeah. total Romeo and Juliet for that so, mm-hmm. so that's why he kills himself. Whereas in the book we're not really sure what happens to Lenada.
1: And no, I don't think it matters. I think in the book he took place in the orgy and he hates himself and that's why he does it.
2: And yeah, right, but we don't know if I ever find out whatever happens to Lenada. Which is, which is a weakness of the book, I think, mm-hmm. because she just gets dropped off. Okay, like, okay, she gets carried off on the order and whatever happens to her, we don't care because because John's going to hang himself, which I think is a definite weakness. Yeah,
1: which she's, she's gonna, gonna, uh, part of the machine.
2: I, <laughs> she's part of the machine. Yeah. Um, I, I'm thinking there's there's a
0: possible explanation after watching the 80 movie. Go ahead. Um, And that is that Mustafa Mond... Uh, gave him the conflict that he really wanted, right? He he goes off and he's separate from everybody at his his uh, seaside thing. He's you know whipping himself and hunting and such. And then the reporters come and they annoy him. And then they annoy him so much that you know he 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 has this conflict and he hates the world so much um, that he kills himself. It, it, isn't that what he really was asking for? Is that he wanted to be? I mean, there is that line he says, "I want to. I have. I have the right, and I want to be unhappy."
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, there is no, nothing really more expressive of that than killing yourself, right?
2: It's it's it, it, it's the ultimate political act.
0: It's
2: yeah. so the last political <laughs> act you can do.
0: And nobody, you know, and nobody cares. And it's like it, it, there's the there's a ton of conflict. I guess Huxley even himself was not 100% satisfied with, with suicide as a solution to the end of the book. But um, did you notice in the 1998 adaptation, there's a little extra scene after um, with one of the little boys in the hatchery?
2: Yes, with, with, the, with the little cotton balls in his ears, yes.
0: Yeah, he still stuffs some cotton balls in his ears so, so he doesn't have conditioning. Well, and so we get the, this idea that there's hope. Right that the society might reform itself in the future or something hmm.
2: well it's, but, it it its it's implied throughout that ninety eight movie that that the system isn't working as well as they think it's i mean in the novel, it seems absolutely clear that the the society is relatively stable, everything's fine yeah. this is only the intrusion of John causes it, but even before John shows up in the in the ninety eight t v movie version. Because they, they talk about having problems with deltas and mm-hmm. and with uh, conditioning. So it's clear that this this dystopia utopia is already under under strain even before John ever shows up, which is an interesting change.
1: Well, and mm-hmm. I thought an interesting part that is kind of subtle in the book, but it gets mentioned several times, is how close they are to one individual causing complete chaos. Because there's Bernard who... It could have been given alcohol and that is why he's shorter, right? Uh-huh. And then there's another random person mentioned where someone doesn't get the right inoculations or something and they are the only one who dies of this one disease. Yeah, Lenina 20, screws right? up. Yeah. <laughs> but it's amazing, like they have this structure in place for a reason, but if the structure doesn't get followed, I mean, it shows like it, it falls apart pretty quickly. But they have How- these kind of like Stops in place, right? Oh, well, you need more soma, you need more reconditioning. They have all these kind of answers for that.
2: Have either of you ever read A World Out of Time by Larry Niven?
1: Hmm. Yeah, I think we did that as a show. Did you? I don't because, think I have.
2: Because, I think so. um, that's basically the guy that gets frozen. He gets unfrozen and sent on a sh- ship to, to, uh, basically drop packages to colonize planets. Mm. And he decides to come back. And there's a whole lot of discussion in the early part of the book with the AI about hydraulic empires and about how a society, one person can upset a society if, and that's the reason why the the ship tries to make sure that he goes far into the future so he doesn't destroy the society that that built the ship. And I was thinking of that too, that like John, Mm. that that John is that catalyst for, but on the other hand, I mean that, that whole little comment about Lennox screwing up and, Twenty years later, this guy down in Africa dying. It, 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 John in the book and Bernard and everyone else—they fail. The, the society does return to normalcy. Yeah the, 19, yeah, the ninety-eight TV movie seems to imply, especially with that little scene with the cotton thing, that this and just how things are progressing—that society is not going to stay forever. Whereas Brave New World, the book, yeah, this is—it's not a uh, the the boot on your face forever. It's uh, soma rations forever.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it makes me kind of wish that John had been sent to one of the outlying islands instead. It's clearly oh, yeah. that that's where they're sending the people who are free thinkers. They're not killing those people; they're just removing them right. from the society. But they're out there. I'm like, well, what happens to those people? I kind of wanted another book about them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: I want to. I want to read some of the more Helmut's uh, poetry.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Dang it! Um, now I can't remember
2: the name of the story. It was in Omni magazine. 30 years ago. It was about a world where the Russians had conquered the world and dissidents are basically killed again and again, but it's arranged so that you feel the way you're killing and you basically your mind winds up in a new clone. And so you're Hmm. not actually killed over and over again. And this guy gets killed over and over again in different ways to try to basically force him to submit to the Russian state. And eventually they decide, okay, we'll just launch you off into space. And the guy says, "Okay, well, well, yeah, you're launching, you're launching all these systems into space. One, one day, one of us will come back and sack Rome."
1: Mm-hmm. Sounds like that Tom Cruise movie. <laughs> <laughs> no,
2: no, well, well, but you, kind of, sort of. But it's done as torture and as it is funny. I mean, he gets eaten by a shark. He gets killed in all sorts of nasty, evil ways. Oh. Basically, <laughs> try to break him. And yeah. in the end, they and because he says, "One point one launch don't have the device on, why don't you just kill me? And and the Russian authorities. well, that would be a final death, that we don't do that.
0: Hmm. You know, this is, uh, uh, Scott and I once had a discussion on the podcast about, well, where are all the novels about cloning? I mean, the thing is, is that they exist. They tend to be terrible. Um, and I, I think that's because cloning is m- not really an idea that can work. But then I, I reading this again, it's like, oh yeah, this is the cloning novel. Um, it, it, not everybody is, you know, cloned to the nth degree. I, I don't think there's any cloning in the alphas, right? right?
1: No, everybody
0: Everybody's unique as an alpha. Betas, I, I think, are unique. Uh, but uh, below that, it's
2: it, clones, all, know,
0: the it's, <laughs> it's clones <laughs> all the way down. It's clones all the way down, and. Uh, and it's also, they call it the caste system. Um, that should tell us this is dystopia, right?
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, didn't, I didn't get that the first read-through years ago. I didn't buy the vowel, like, yeah, all these cast, because I imagine, oh, yeah, I'd just be an alpha and everything would be fine, yeah.
0: Yeah, well, see, we see it from the alpha point of view, Right. Right. Um, the only, we get a little bit of betas there. I'm not sure, entirely sure what the difference is between an alpha and a beta.
2: The, is it just conditioning? It, I think it's, it's conditioning and also their, what they do for a living. I mean, the TV movie actually makes that kind of clear because London is not a, Linda's a beta in the book, but in the, in the TV show she's an alpha, but we see a beta at work. And, and he's almost, he's almost autistic. That, uh, that technician guy. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And he's clearly been designed to
0: do. I, I quite like the '98 movie. I don't think it's a good adaptation. It, you know, like it's not. It's not t- putting the book on screen, but I think it's an interesting take on the book because it 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 makes it much more like our world. And I guess that's
2: it's a lot more you know, dramatic too. Yeah, it is.
0: It, I mean, it's it's also ninety minutes long, which is not you know the. I think the other one is, is three hours,
1: right? Mm, yeah. The,
0: the, the one you <laughs> was.
1: I should have gotten the memo and watched the other one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, sorry. I think
1: um, to me, the difference is like the betas, they're intelligent and they're high producing. They're efficient, but there's nothing in them that causes them to question or to be individualistic. And the alphas... No are allowed that because of how it can benefit the society, but it's very highly controlled and they're given access to information that no one else is given. Um but they're kind of uh mentored and discipled into that slowly. You know, betas never end up with that. They're the sex slaves and the you know, baby makers. <laughs>
0: yeah, so um one one of the other things, I mean, this is this is pretty Good tech stuff. I mean good tech thinking. The Malthusian belt that is way, way before uh the pill, right? Yep. Hmm. Way before the pill. And even even some of the other technology, like helicopters, they didn't really have practical helicopters until World War Two. That that's more than ten years down the road, right?
1: Yeah, and his almost work like teleportation devices. They're so fast.
2: Yeah, it, you can go like- anywhere. It's like the flying. They're like the. They're like a proto version of a flying car because everyone has one. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, the TV movie kind of downplays that. It seems like only the news people have them, but in yeah. the book, yeah, everybody has a. Everyone has a helicopter. And that's how they get everywhere. It's like a flying car. Mm-hmm.
0: It's their Model T.
1: It's a, yeah. It's their Model T. Ah, flying Car. See, that makes sense.
0: And uh what, what in the TV movie, the ninety and sorry, the eighty one, they make uh the sign a lot, you know, the mm-hmm, sign of the T. The the <laughs> um, they don't do that in the uh, the '98. Do they do it in the book? They mention. Oh the, yeah, yeah, yeah. But did they make the sign of the T? Yeah, yeah, I
1: have this little quote from one of their ceremonies. The president stood up, made the sign of the T, and switching on the synthetic music. Blah 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 blah. So it's mentioned. Okay. But I don't think they do it in the book as often as they do in the 1980s no. show because it's like they use it as a greeting.
2: Yeah, and I don't remember and them. Or- yeah. No, I think it was I mean,
1: more part of the ritual in the book.
2: Yeah. Yeah, for the yeah, for the various little ceremonies they do in the book. Yeah, otherwise, otherwise, the sign of the tea is not really used that much. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the 1980 movie uses it. But again, again that's a whole the visual medium, so you're, you're reinforcing that sort of thing through gesture.
1: Yeah, I like the difference.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, uh, the
0: other thing that connects this to... Um, uh, this perfect day is, is the names, all the, all the character names have, you know, some sort of connection to our, our historical past, even if they don't recognize them. Hmm. Bernard Marx, you know, Marx is probably not Groucho Marx, it's probably the other Marx. Yeah. Although he is, uh, by the end, we're, we're, he's, he's kind of a pathetic character. I
1: know, he kind of gives up.
0: Yeah, I'm, he's, he's blaming <laughs> the other guys for starting the riot and,
1: yeah, and he's
2: so desperate not to go to, yeah, not to, not to be exiled, and finally just like, oh yeah, okay, we'll just go to St. Helena. No. Yeah, don't know, Falcon Islands, but, yeah, Bernard Marx, and the other half of his name is George Bernard Shaw. Yeah. Lenin is Lenin.
0: Yeah. And there's tons, uh, like Watson, I mean, I don't, I'm not, I think Helmholtz is also a, uh, a scientist, but uh, Watson yeah. and, uh, um, I didn't get Mustafa Mond, but it does sound familiar. Um, uh, who is this? Mustafa that Mond. Um, let's see. Uh. The, the filmmaker at the end is called Darwin Bonaparte.
2: Mm. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, uh, Wikipedia saves us. Mustafa Mond from Mustafa Kemal Ataturk.
0: Ah. ah. Turkey
2: and modernized well, He Turkey. transformed
0: his society. Yeah, yeah exactly.
2: He did. That, that makes perfect sense. Yeah.
0: Interesting. I I I I quite like the I mean I've never seen a book that uses this much Shakespeare that is uh um I don't know it it, it seems really well done. In in listening to the audiobook it's it's a weird experience mm-hmm. though because of the you know there's a di- especially at the beginning there's dialogue right there's description and then there's these Random inserted, sort of. Uh, I guess we're getting conditioned, conditioning messages. Yep. And everything's rhymed. Uh, it, it it makes us think. You know, this is this is totally an infantilized world, right?
1: Everyone belongs to everyone. More now. I drink to the greater being.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I, I I I I like this book more. I I remember not liking the plot very much. I I remember being interested by the world, but. I, I like the book more now. I think that.
1: Yeah, I feel the same way. it d- more, I didn't remember the details of the characters or the the plot. I remembered things like the sound organ or the, the scent organ and things like that, but I didn't remember anything that happened. <laughs>
2: the, yeah, like the, the little details, the feelies, and well,
0: yeah. yeah, feelies, totally. But uh, I remember, there's right near the beginning. There's a scene where. Bernard Marx is listening to uh, the, I think it's the director of the hatcheries or whatever, he says, you know, he's going on and on and on about s- something. And he he just can't stop thinking about the uh, perfume tap. that has been fauceting water into his sink all day. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's going to cost me so much money because he's got, <laughs> he's got a pipe of, it's like, you know, some kid wants to have the perfect world. So he, he has the school, you know, suddenly transformed so that the, fu- the, the drinking fountains, they have like, uh, Shasta or whatever, whatever their favorite pop is, you know, like just having everything piped into your house so that you, you know, your refrigerator has, it's like a mini bar always being refilled and your, your faucets, you have a faucet for everything. That, that is kind of the worst society and also the best side. You don't have to go out, but you have to go out so that you can use up all the ration points or it's the economy's not really explained very much in this system. It, it's it says um, you know, in the scene where uh John Savage is is overturning the uh <laughs> the very biblically, he's overturning the yeah. uh, Soma tables, right? <laughs> right? Like uh just after his mom's died. Um, there's, there's a mention of a money box there, I think, but otherwise, you know, people don't go around talking about, you know, I got to get some more money together so I can you know go on that vacation. It's just, it seems like, um, the economy's not explained.
1: No, because you're conditioned to have, to want what you can have. Like, so you wouldn't want more vacations than you had money for because it just doesn't happen that way.
0: But I think the um, I think the uh, at least the epsilons or it was the deltas who, who one of the who who's the people who are the purple eyes the purple uh, I think that's the epsilons them, epsilons okay I think you know they get pretty excited when the uh, when the soma tab- tablets are thrown on the floor right right yeah
1: it's their only thing
0: <laughs> yeah yep. but, but yeah do you think that you know um, Bernard and Marx and Helmholtz are, you know, hanging out in lineups to get their Soma tablets?
2: I think they should probably just get it delivered.
0: Yeah, it probably comes in through, you know, their. Yeah, their I mean. Into their refrigerator I mean, or whatever,
2: right? We've seen the 98 movie, you have all those Deltas lined up to get their ration of Soma tablets. I figured that people like Marx and Lena just get it, get home delivery. Amazon Prime for film and tablet. It's all drones. Yeah, it's like I mean, I mean, they just they just get in a different way,
1: and I think they get to decide how much they need and when they take it. And I think the lower class is, it's like just standardized.
2: Yeah. keep keep them a. Uh...
0: So you know, Jenny, you were saying that the betas don't have as much uh, chance of being rebellious. Um doesn't Lena have a tiny um problem as well with uh her obsession with one guy? yeah she I falls, mean, it, she it's not gonna destroy society, but it, it isn't that like a little yeah, it's a little something right?
1: Well, but you can explain it away because let's see if I can find this little quote um Chastity means passion. Chastity means neurasthenia and passion and neurasthenia mean instability and instability means the end of civilization. You can't have a lasting civilization without plenty of pleasant vices. And because he likes her, she has been waiting for him every night. So she's gone five days without whatever they call it. Engaging. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so that is turning her into an unstable person where if she would just engage with someone on a regular basis, like she's supposed to, she would be fine. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess I kind of feel like it's more of a like a, a part of the machine that needs oiled, <laughs> or something like that, you know, and if, if she had worked properly, then she would have continued to function as expected.
0: What, well, what, what do you, what about this as a, like a particularly male fantasy utopia? Hmm. Just because yeah. women are always available for sex and. It,
1: they never say ch- no.
0: What's it, <laughs> chastity? Everyone's duty or something? No, no, not chastity. Um, Thanks. promiscuity is a citizen's duty. Yes.
1: Also something everyone I is noticed, for everyone.
2: <laughs> yeah, I noticed something in th- this reading that I hadn't noticed before because I'm more alert to it. In the in, in the movie, Lennon is clearly an alpha and she's even listed in the credits. The '98 movie. Yeah,
0: '98
2: yeah, oh, movie. Yeah, she's well, a beta
0: in the... She's a in beta the
2: in the 80 and in the book. And in fact, in the book, we don't meet any females above beta. And I thought about that this time. That's I thought, what I was thinking, yeah. Yeah, it's was like, that's kind of squeaky. Like, what? Are women supposed to be inferior to men as a general rule? Are there no alpha females? or well, I mean, we don't see them. We don't even get a sense of it. It's either all the males are, all the alphas are males. And and it, as you said, this is a male fantasy. And I kind of felt a little uncomfortable about how I felt about that. It's like, I kind of preferred the 98 movie in some ways because London is clearly much, much, much higher rank than she is in the book. And I like that because even in the book, they talk her about having like yellow from lupus or something. As I recall, mm. when she we first introduced to Selena, and she doesn't look like that in either movie, she looks rather mm. pretty, which is, like, but yeah. But so yeah, that's, that social hierarchy of male dominance is something I noticed about this time and it kind of uncomforted me. Well, oh, it's, oh, sorry. Oh no, that's
1: all right. I think even John the Savage is completely misogynist in how he treats her.
0: Yeah, she, but he's, he's a, Shakespeare, so you know that. I like, know, right? but man, yeah, but, uh,
1: that that seems pretty awful too because oh, he just yeah pushes her around, calls her a whore, promiscuous, yeah. whatever, whatever, you know.
2: And then lets her fall to the to the orgy of whatever at the end. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, there's there's no good. When, women get a really short shrift. I mean, maybe that's a product of the time in which all Huxley was writing, but still it's something that I don't like at all.
0: There's a, there's a very funny thing going on in the 98 movie. Uh, Lenina in, in the, I don't know. She's in the conditioning center. I think it is. Um, so you've got a whole bunch of little kids in bed all around her. Mm-hmm. They're all sleeping and she flashes her, uh, semi nudity to, to, uh, camera that Bernard is watching. She knows that he's watching it, right? And she's doing it like it's an illicit thing. But the thing is, this is in the book, right? The the little, this is one of the things that would get the book banned, and it does get the book banned, I guess, is, you know, kids are engaging in erotic play yeah, um, from very young ages, right? And it's encouraged. So the fact that she's doing it like it's a taboo sort of, ooh, aren't I being naughty is totally against what the book's about, right? Because if she wanted to uh, intrigue him sexually, she wouldn't –
1: She would just unzip. She would just unzip unzip. and say, look at me! Well, and I think that's kind of the downfall of having TV movie versions of this because it's such a, I guess, a stark and maybe generic world, but that's not how the world is. Like, if you're seeing the world from John the Savage's – perspective it would be disturbing not because it's efficient but because people are having sex all over the place because mm-hmm. that's just part of their daily life to them pornographic is books old ideas marriage <laughs> yeah. family you know those things are like taboo you know don't mention those
0: but one, one of the tweets i tweeted at you guys um was funny because one of my students would would do it uh, a couple of years ago he would say that this was like a, to try and you know get a rise out of people which i guess is the point of swearing and such but he would say mother father <laughs> 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 like you know what? that's in this book yeah because that what was in uh, uh this this perfect day it was fight and hate mm. right those were the evil words um, but, but that's because they had mothers and fathers, right? It's not the Brave New World world in that everybody comes from a bottle. But it's, it's still, you know, some negative thing is, you know, is pushed away. And so, yeah, the mother, mother is a, is a dirty word. I, it's, wow, that's, that's strong. And when, uh, one of the characters is out of this for being a father. It's like a huge joke.
1: Oh, he has to leave. He yeah. has to pull out of society. It's such a shameful thing.
2: Yeah. I, I even think that in the book, it's, it's milder than what happens to the DHC in the movie where he clearly, he gets re-engineered as a, looks like it's like a Delta. Did you notice mm-hmm. that? Did you notice that? Yeah. The yeah. Thing? Yeah.
0: That was a Miguel Ferrer. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, and he's happy. Oh, that was the saddest part. That was so. He walks up to them and smiles. Oh my that was god! So hmm. I
2: was thinking, oh my god, that's even worse than the book.
0: That's Miguel a Barrera, I love, I love <laughs> that actor. I love him so much because he he plays mean really well. And when he suddenly changed, you know, he, he's he's doing all sorts of machinations in that version. But when he he's changed that way, it's like, damn, that's like the worst thing you could do to this sort of. Mac you know Machiavellian character is turn him into a, a smiling idiot. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Happy to fetch and carry,
1: you know, and, Oh, sorry. Go, ahead.
0: Right. go for it, Jenny. Go.
1: Well, I was just thinking one of the things I really liked about the 1980 movie is it kind of fleshed out the Linda story a little more. Linda being, um, Bernard's not Bernard's John's mother. Mm-hmm. And, um, it was interesting because, of course, she was conditioned to live within this society and then she was removed from it. And I just can't imagine the horror of that. <laughs> it, she didn't have it, access it, to drugs anymore. Bad. You know, yeah. nothing worked the way it should. She had to actually do hard work and be dirty and messy. And mm-hmm. and then when she got a chance to go back, all she wanted was just to be under. You know, and she yeah. took so much SOMA that it led to her earlier death but also, it's not just for her, but the reaction of people to her. I mean, oh goodness, she looked old. How horrifying! Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, and John, she's not even noticing. It's John who's who's he he's you know when those kids show up in the, uh, I mean that this is where the dystopia comes in, right? They're at the death center, and the kids show up to play around the dead bodies mm-hmm. so that they they lose their fear of death. You know, you get ice cream if somebody dies. Yeah. Death yeah. conditioning. And then she's why is she so ugly? It's like
2: <laughs> Fuck you kid. Boom, boom,
0: boom. He he really goes on after those children. Yeah. And, and it's like, Oh man, the
1: pathos there is so strong. But he's not supposed to care about her. No one's supposed to care. Death is part of life. Death brings us phosphorus. <laughs> so, yeah,
2: death brings us phosphorus. Yeah, I, I found it interesting in the '98 movie that Linda is from the reservation. Yeah, that was a strange change. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure I liked that change that much because because Linda's story already not very big in the book. As they said, it was expanded. The movie gets even even less shrift in the TV movie. They really, I mean, she 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 comes across. She goes into soma, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And, and end of story, which is even less than what even less than what the book has. I mean, she doesn't even really get the uh, the chance to uh, confront the director. I mean, they see each other in a room, which propels Miguel Ferreira, because he never even given a name; he's just called the, the DHC guy. But yeah. propels him to uh, try and kill John with the Delta. Uh,
0: that's yeah, that's not in the in the book at all. No, right?
2: no, it's not. It, that,
0: not even hinted at. But uh, it's interesting. I mean. it, it I can see why this adaptation was done that way. You've got 90 minutes, you got a lot of stuff to do. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not the book,
2: right? No, but that, that, that whole bit about all, all, all the, all those visual representations of conditioning in the movie kind of remind me of A Clockwork Orange.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Actually, there's, there's a. So that, that one is, is that the beginning of, of changeover into. See, how do we get from. From where we are now to the Brave New World world, you know, there's got to be the first, wait, I guess maybe we did have the first, uh, you know, test tube baby, right? Is that, yep. So we start test tube babying everybody.
1: Birth control. And birth birth everybody. control. Birth control. Yeah.
0: And yeah, that's in the book too, is the free Martins. Did you get that? Yeah.
2: yeah. Oh. yeah. Women who are sterile, so they, yeah, and can they have they, sex like, with and them whenever you like.
0: It, do they get extra? Wasn't there something like they get an extra m- amount of money because they're free martins? It's like, uh, no, or was it the no, other way around? It's
2: the other way around. It's women who voluntarily sterilize themselves get, get a six month bonus of pay. Okay. And I
1: do have to say that that's very uncreative of Aldous Huxley. I mean, couldn't the men have been sterilized?
0: <laughs> you don't understand. It's a male utopia. <laughs> Come on. A negative dystopia.
2: Have yeah. Have either of you read uh, Brave New World Revisited? Have.
0: Well, I have. I wanted to. I wanted to read it for this, but Jenny, it's a it's nonfiction, right?
1: Yeah, it's not really like a follow up to this or anything,
2: right? I, I bought. I, I bought it in a used bookstore, thinking it was. This was years and years ago. After I read Breaking New World*, I thought, "Oh, this is nonfiction." And I started, "I, I haven't read it in years, but I remember Huxley discussing the themes of the book and how we were getting there." But that was was like 50, written like in the fifties, I think. So, mm-hmm. mm. so it, it 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 was out it's out of far out of date even now. But I, I found it interesting that he was exploring his own ideas and seeing how far have we come along with this, 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 and this. The other book that this that Brave New World bore in mind for me when I was re-listening really to it. Have you ever either you ever read Walden 2? No. No. Walden, Walden Two was written by B.F. Skinner, the psychologist, hmm. and it's a not very—it's a—it's a quasi-novel. It's—it's it's fiction anyway about a community that these that these college professors go visit. That's basically everyone is under operant conditioning, and it's oh, good. And, and it's described <laughs> as this is going to be the, this is the wave of the future and this is this is utopia. But everyone's being conditioned and. It's, it is, and it, I mean, they're describing it as a utopia, but I was, I remember, I read this back, back in the days of during Brave New World, the Brave New World, the visit, I thought like, oh my god, this is, this is, this is a horrible thing, and the ending of that novel, as it were, freaked me out because it was implied that, okay, they were going to take this program, and they were going to expand themselves until they gained political power so they could expand it even further. I thought, Mm. oh my God, this is horrible. Mm -hmm. I mean, I
0: so that's that's like a a precursor to Brave New World too. Yeah,
2: I mean, I I think it dates from the fifties. So, and Skinner is big about conditioning people and whatnot. So it's clearly he was clearly thinking of how do you build a Brave New World society? And it's almost like this is how you planting it. This is planting seeds, not having a nine years war or anything else to Mm -hmm. overthrow things. Just have. Basically, expand, expand the society bit by bit until every place. Oh, yeah. It.
0: Do you think that, uh, if, if we had grown up in communist, uh, uh, utopias or <laughs> communist countries anyways, that this book would have a hell of a lot more, re- uh, resonance with us? Like, like if you were in a, the Soviet Union in the 80s or 70s, um, what would you think of this book, do you think?
1: I think the 1984 or we probably have more resonance with those kinds of societies because the problem with this one, as far as it being realistic is that the goal isn't happiness in these like real life societies, Mm -hmm. you know, for all the trade off that happiness brings, but in the book, you know, happiness, evenness, no conflict. That's not the goal. The goal is power and control. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, like, yeah, yeah. I found 1984 more realistic because he just got battered down and battered down until finally he was like, I love
0: Big Brother. Yeah, I mean, that's that's yeah. the thing. Is, is it feels like a much more relevant book to us somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, but isn't, I mean, if, if we were trying to say which is our society, uh, okay, uh, let's rewind 10 years so we don't have uh, any hints that the NSA is trying to crush us in the way that it is. But uh, I think, you know, the 1998 movie is is right on about the time when you say, yeah, you know, drugs are people are sort of drugging themselves up, you know, with it wasn't just Valium and such. But, you know, Soma is one drug. But think of all the drugs that people take.
1: Right. Or TV or
0: Internet
1: or whatever you want to use. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the other thing I've been um, listening to a spy biography lately And it's talking about the 50s and communism spreading more and everything. I think another thing that I kept thinking about reading Brave New World is why don't they care more about the people who are the outliers? Like, how can the savage societies coexist? Why aren't they worried about the people on the islands? I feel like communism has always been very concerned with dominating everyone, and bringing yeah. everyone into their line of thinking, because that's when you really can control your society. That's when you have your ideal society, when everyone is sharing that vision. And well, it's
0: I, kind of an evangelical thing, right? So yeah, you believe it when it's actually everybody believes it, because if anybody doubts it, then that gives you doubt. Yeah. And I, I guess that's how Brave New World works as well. And so, I mean, I kept thinking back to this perfect day. You know, those islands are... Um, you know, part of a a step in the process to getting to be, you know, Mustafa Mond, right? right? The guy with all the books and access to uh, Shakespeare and the things that he knows he needs to ban. But yeah, it, it, it could be that you know, if you wrote a sequel to Brave New World, it was set in one of those islands, and you do see, you know, why why they are not expanding outward. Maybe those are much more. 1984 uh, ish. I don't know.
1: Right, and why aren't the savages targeted as future consumers and part of the workforce? Mm-hmm. There's all these people out there. I don't know. I just I didn't understand that part be, of it. I guess.
2: Be because the assimilation of the reservation would require social instability in the acquisition of those people as new consumers. Mm-hmm. So it's not worth it's not worth the hit to the stability of the world in order to bother them, so let them off and do their thing. They, they they talk about in Brave New World a couple of experiments that have been tried. They talk about right. the island of all alphas, and that goes completely right. horribly wrong.
1: They all kill
0: mm-hmm. each other.
2: They all they all kill <laughs> each other. So yeah. it,
0: it, I I think you know that that is a very interesting you know because. It, it, what do what the deltas say about being the, you know, I wouldn't want to be a gamma. Gammas have to do all the thinking or whatever it is. You know, they're lifting. <laughs> and then the <laughs> alphas are like, oh, it's good that we don't have to be the stupid betas. And the betas are like, it's good to be a beta. I don't want to make all those decisions like alphas do.
2: Right. They're, they're uh, all engineered to be in their place.
0: But having that stratification, I mean, when we do read this book, we, we say, geez, you know, If I lived in this world, I'd clearly be an alpha, right? If you, you know, you just have to sort of think. And then, and then you say, oh shit, maybe that's how I am in this real world. And I think I'm an alpha and everybody else is that the reason that guy's pumping gas, uh, and I'm not pumping gas is not because, you know, he's younger than me. It's because that's his, his, you know, skill level. And I think, uh, I mean, it's, it's, subversive in that way because it does make us look at our world. I mean, I think that's the use of this book is, is it makes you look at our world and say, geez, are we doing this stuff? Shouldn't we be more skeptical about this and that? And I want to be more like Helmholtz. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know.
1: But at the same time, Helmholtz isn't going to have an impact on his society For no. for him to pursue what he wants. He has to leave.
2: Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the choices seem to be co-option by the society or exile. Now, in the book that Helmholtz and Marx get exiled, but in the TV movie, I know, I just watched the essay, so it's really on my mind. Marx gets co-opted by Mond. Did you notice that? Because he gets Uh, promoted to be the DHC. He's clearly being, he's, he's clearly been groomed and pulled under the road. What Mond is clearly doing is, He realizes Marx can be a disruptive influence, so basically bring him into the system is basically. I mean, I mean, he's invited to those meetings and. Yeah, yeah.
0: that's well. That's the what happens in this perfect day, right? Yeah. Anybody who is a shit disturber ends up being one of the the leaders, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, but in this perfect day, they have a. There's a benefit for that. They they have luxury. I, I had a hard time understanding what the benefit was for being an alpha, for being Mustafa Mond.
0: He got to read Shakespeare.
1: Yeah, but, yeah, well, but it was almost to read it. yeah, only one person, and it was almost a um, almost like a the downside of his position to know well, to he, know the bad was, to know the evil. He's one of ten,
0: right? So you could think of it like as the Illuminati. They get together, you know, the Bilderberg Group
1: or whatever
0: every uh, <laughs> every year, and they they have their Book party and like, talk about the latest books they've suppressed and how, yeah, I I, I mean I guess we sh- it's not fair to Jenny she hasn't watched the ninety eight one but um in 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 that Leonard Nimoy plays the um the uh, Mustafa Mond character and he is much more um. He's much more like a guru, I guess. Mm. In that, he, <gasps> he's politically in charge, but he he's more like a guru. Especially
2: than, with that weird pink suit and necklace yeah. that he wore that was. He was like, what the yeah. heck is That's that? Part,
0: it's kind of weird.
2: <laughs> you have to see it, Jenny, to believe it. I have just,
1: to watch it.
0: It's, yeah, it's so 90s. I can't believe how, and like, it says, look, we're in the future because it's the Los Angeles subway. <laughs> hmm. It's like, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I really enjoyed this book. I, I know that's kind of a sick thing to say because it's really depressing. It's got this uh, mm-hmm. suicide at the end and we're left with no sense that this world can be destroyed.
1: You know, it kind of made me feel relieved or optimistic mm-hmm. that I live in a world that has revolutions mm-hmm. and protests. I don't totally. know. Is that silly? Because I no no reading about that's exactly Right. About, yeah. The benefit of social instability. It may not be happiness.
0: But. And, and, you know, you can't, uh, you know, I think that's why Shakespeare is totally relevant. And, and when you read it, you still love it because all those things that are going on in Shakespeare, you know, maybe we don't have kings and, you know, a merchant princes anymore exactly, but we have an analogs that work perfectly well. And in, in Brave New World society, They don't have those analogs because Mustafa Mond, however you want to say how powerful he is, he's not really, uh, a king to be overthrown, at least not, not in the book. Mm
1: -mm.
0: And, you know, the, the romance, you know, those, the feelies, man, that, that's, that's really, it's like a cross between (laughs) pornography and, and like reality television. Yeah. So depressing.
2: Have, have I (laughs) these? Of have either you've seen Idiocracy.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think I saw that.
2: Yeah. I was thinking of just the horrible horrible quote unquote movies that they have in that future world and the 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 feelies are just as degraded and as I mean, because they describe a feeling in the in the book now. I don't recall I don't recall from the nineteen eighty movie if we actually get to see one, but we just see a we just see a billboard for one in the uh Ninety-eight one, but the way mm-hmm. they describe it's so base and so poor plotting, and even, it's even part of the uh,
0: three weeks in a helicopter.
2: Right, three weeks in a helicopter. And it's what do like, they do in that helicopter? They have sex. They have <laughs> sex. I mean, it, it is like it's it, it's not quite as bad as Idiocracy, where you just see a we have a movie where you just see a farting, farting uh, rear, but it's pretty close. <laughs> I mean, they gone from Shakespeare to Shakespeare to smut and crap and.
1: Yeah, and so that the feelies take part of like one I think the author would say human need, but it's controlled. And then did you notice the what was it the fake pregnancy thing and the surrogate pregnancy. the VPS, what? the violent passion surrogate. Mm-hmm. So they they have these things they've identified that are important for people to have variances in emotion and experience, but rather than allow them to have the actual experience they have these kind of like virtualized things. So the feelies for, I don't know, whatever that fulfills. The Violent Passion Surrogate one, that's terrifying. Where you have an I experience to get your adrenaline going. and In the yeah.
0: 80s, maybe, was, it Bernard goes, was it Bernard or Helmholtz? It goes was
1: Bernard. To, Bernard. It get,
0: goes to like a gladiator. Yeah. Uh, the most then, violent
1: possible. Yeah.
0: <laughs> He has to leave early.
1: <laughs> and then, if women are depressed, then oh well, maybe you need a fake pregnancy. <laughs> yeah,
0: a surrogate pregnancy. Yeah. um uh, the, Again, another uh, uh sexist sort of uh "this is written by a man" yeah no
2: thing. I'm thinking of the Prisoner episode. You, you two have both seen the Prisoner, right? I've seen it. Yeah, there, there's a there's a Prisoner episode, and there's no there's no real alcohol in the village. But in one episode the prisoner finds this secret club and, mm-hmm. and, and number two says, Here you can be a drunk in perfect privacy. Say like, as long as you return to the flock in good time. Hmm. So it's kinda like a secret club within a club where you can get drunk, but eventually it's understood you're gonna go back to the controlled society that you're that you've come from.
1: Yeah.
0: That that show is, is more surreal than it is, um, uh, I don't know. When you watch it, you think there's gonna be this is gonna be about something. <laughs> well, yeah, it. it's just weird. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what I'm supposed to take away from this other than spies. Spies be weird. <laughs>
2: spies be weird.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's not. It's not. Uh, it, I I think that's one of those ones where you know I'm not one to do it, but uh, where if you watch it while you're on drugs, it probably makes a lot more depth impactful on you because it's just it that's what it feels like watching it it's like that uh, the smoke comes from out of the door and and then suddenly he's in dreamland and there's these g- giant breasts chasing you down the
2: oh beach. god no yeah you went there didn't you
0: i guess yeah I, uh, smothering you and drowning you i
1: don't know um well that's yeah. one thing huxley got right the world is still for men <laughs> it totally, I mean, yeah,
2: it's, it's,
0: it's, 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 uh, it's a book. I liked it.
1: Yeah.
2: We have a few more, a few more years. I What's guess the next dystopia we can do? You guys have done we right? We've
1: yeah, done Wii, we.
2: done 1984, We've done Bright New World.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, Those are the, there's I mean, so many I didn't good ones. before <laughs> that.
0: Um, I guess Children of Men is is uh, a kind of dystopia, but that's more of a kind of soft soft apocalypse, isn't
2: it? Yeah, that, that, that's a slow apocalypse.
0: Yeah, I, I'm not sure what else there is other than that. Is there? Oh, there's so much. Like what? This has been the SFF Audio Podcast please join us at www.sffaudio.com.